the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This program is sponsored by Amplified Peace. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to Amplified Peace. We are actually launching our new series where we'll be exploring how we can listen, how we can learn, and how we can live differently in this crazy world. And I am your host, Lisa Dernigan. Well, who doesn't love a good story? Um, a story that kind of takes you on a, a discovery journey, one that taps into your imagination, and um, one that just really piques your interest and you want to keep turning the page. So today, we're going to turn the page and we're going to dive right in. Well, when I was trying to think about someone who has and continues to live life as a peacemaker, who has some, who has seen immense pain and brokenness in the world, and has seen the ramifications of hatred. Someone who is who has not shied away from conflict and from division, proximity with the poor and the overlooked, but instead has stepped into the messiness of it all. When I think of all of that, I think of my good friend, Steve Haas. Steve is one of those people you just want to be around because he exudes so much joy. Yet behind the scenes, I know that he is burdened by the traumas in this world. His life has has impacted and it continues to impact thousands of people locally, globally, in communities, and even in nations. I have actually had a conversation with Steve when he's just returned from a trip and he's kind of speaking halfway in code and telling me about leaders and presidents he has, he has just met with in countries around the world. And so, Steve, I just want to welcome you to Amplify Peace. Thanks, Lisa. It's great to be with you. Well, I am just so excited to have you and have you as you kind of help us launch this new series and what we're doing about just how do we posture ourselves as listeners and learners, right? And then how do we live differently? And you exemplify this, you model this, you practice this on so many different levels. And I know that you have sat at the highest levels of leadership in organizations like World Vision, um, in churches and nonprofits. And you have been instrumental in creating impactful movements that people have no idea that your name is behind some of these things. Um, so I just want to have you tell us a little bit about you, your journey, and what has led you to do the work that you do today. Well, it's uh, it's great to be with you. One, I'm humbled by your invitation, especially on your first uh, broadcast. Uh, as I said in my notes, I, I hope you have some really good questions because uh, I look forward to just being in conversation with you again as each time it's inspirational for me as well to be with you and your husband, Cal and Julie and the rest of your team. So excited to be with you. Um, my background is probably not unlike um, many of those who are listening uh, to this broadcast. I, I grew up with two Christian parents. Uh, they took Jesus seriously. My dad actually came to faith when I was in junior high, and that literally kind of changed the trajectory of his life. He was a senior executive with IBM, 
My mom was a housewife who did a lot of service projects. So it was not uh, uncommon for me to be on uh, kind of following in her steps or grabbed by the hand because I had to go. As a child, when we went into prisons uh, where she did some Bible studies, when we had actually uh, uh, people who had been released from prison living with us uh, to things that we were doing, uh, grocery distribution to people who didn't have food. Um, there were just a number of things that I watched my parents do that had an impact on me personally, where I thought, well, if that's if that's what I'm reading, certainly in scripture about what Jesus did and how his disciples performed and how those in the early church performed, it seems like my parents have actually taken it fairly seriously. I mean, to the point of actually doing it. And maybe that's what faith is. And that's what I'm to do. So uh, around junior high time, I actually uh, decided I would be a follower of Jesus. And that commitment in spite of mistakes, in spite of, of challenges that came my way, and and actually discovering what my gifts were propelled me into this kind of life of service um, in which you say yes a lot more than you say no. Mm-hmm. And you take adventures or rides, I call them faith journeys or rides, uh, into places that may not make sense to the way in which the world works um, because it's God calling you into it versus maybe man calling you into it. And uh, that's been a great adventure and I'm delighted to be with you. Oh my gosh. There's so much in what you just said. Um, first of all, your life, I don't think it was typical to have parents that actually modeled faith mm-hmm. and, and just did it. And so you to probably for you, you're like, what else would I do? This is what you do. Right. And so you didn't think about that, but it's not typical. And so, and then the other thing, another thing you said was I discovered my gifts. So many people don't know what their gifts are and don't know, like, how do how do I use my gifts? How do I how do I live that way where I kind of give my gifts back? And and I also love what you said is like, I just follow God, not doing what man expected. And that's really rare. It's hard to be able to say no to a lot of things that people may put expectations on us or like you should do. But instead, like really listening to God and going, I feel like this is where God's calling me into that that area right and it's hard right yeah well i had a i had a friend who was very big on this thing he called god prompts it was actually a man who was doing ministry in the city of san francisco he would stay with us he was actually from up near tahoe so he would stay with us overnight in high school he had a massive impact on my life because he kept talking about god prompting mm-hmm. and of course that was a new concept to me but his was that god if you're in relationship with him then his spirit is active inside you. So maybe the best game in town is trying to figure out what it is that he's doing inside you, what he's prompting you to do, and then begin to follow those prompts. Learn to get really good at reacting to whenever he prompts to do that thing. Even if it doesn't make sense, do it. And then watch what happens. So in other words, you become skilled at following these God prompts. And I remember being very challenged by that. I think I was one of those youths that love challenges and loves to be competitive and figure out if I could do something better. And so I would, I just started trying to follow that. And I have, I think I can look back on my life and look at those areas in which I didn't follow it mm-hmm. and the trajectory that I took and those that I did. And I think I can say to you and to any listener, the adventure of my life 
the great high points of my life. I didn't say the easiest parts of my life, but the high adventure of my life has been when I've actually followed those prompts in spite of my environment, what the world is telling me to do, maybe even my education. Uh, Because some of these would have said, you know, you should have educated, you should have taken the platform, you should have taken that hill. And instead, the prompt was, no, go attend to that individual, go spend extra time. I know this looks like waste or wasted time, but go spend time there. Um, When I have followed those prompts, that has led to the adventure of a lifetime. That's great languaging to put around that. So many times we're we're, we're like, I don't know, I'm feeling something. Is it intuition? What is it? And to be able to have languaging, like these are God prompts. God's nudging. He's listening. But it goes back to you have to be still enough to listen, to under, to go to discern what is really the voice of God, what is really my voice, what is somebody else's voice. And and that, like you said, that's a discipline to it try is, to. I, I how did you develop that? Like, well, when I, again, that? I want to go back to my friend. He had this big thing about soul and spirit. We often combine those and we believe they're the same thing. They're not. When I became a follower of Jesus, I'm told in scripture, and certainly it became a reality in my life, that this this force entered me, uh, this spirit, God's spirit literally entered my life and began to kind of broadcast or prompt to take certain actions. And they were not actions I would have normally taken, but they were certainly broadcast into my life. I noticed, though, that there were some things that didn't change. One, physically, I didn't change. Um, if you could have seen me then, I was still six four, but I was 144 pounds. So I looked like I had, you know, was on a starvation diet and I ran distance. So that didn't help. So my body didn't change. My mind didn't change at that moment. My desires didn't change at that moment, but the spirit inside me was now kind of dictating terms. So my soul, my mind, body, emotions, my will, those now had to kind of get into process of following what the spirit was telling me to do. So my soul, mind, emotions, will now had to get under the dictation of a new leader. And the leader was what the spirit, what Christ had put into me. That has been an adventure I am still on because there is so much a part of my will, my mind, my emotions that need to be tamed, need to come under direct lordship of his. And and as I do that, that's been that adventure of faith. And that understanding has been incredibly helpful because I mess up all the time. <laughs> my, my will and my emotions are not in alignment with where God wants me to go. And so there's a battle uh, that takes place almost daily uh, in which I'm trying to get that into alignment with what he wants. When I do that, I it feels like I join the adventure again. Is it easy? No, not at all. Um, because again, it's a battle of my will versus what he wants. And and they're two, often two different things. But it, But gradually, I'm finding those things are coming more and more into alignment as I age, which is actually a really good thing. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, so again, that soul and spirit thing was became very real to my life and in high school. And now it's been a journey through life of trying to get those things to walk more closely together. That's really profound. I I think it's it's a holistic approach to understanding, like you said, our mind, body and soul. 
so many times we just we focus on one aspect to us or we tend to be one dimensional instead of going my wholeness is all of that wrapped up into this. And so how do I even surrender my wholeness to Jesus, to God, and let him take it? The other word that you kept using so much that lights me up every time I hear it is adventure. And I know you that like physically, you you just been hiking all over the world. Literally, you just came home from the Middle East. And then this weekend, I know you were up in, on the mountains hiking. You love to hike the adventure of it. But you also take that, not just physically, but you put that into your spiritual life with God. Like you said, it's not easy, but you've been a practitioner and it is an adventure. So many times we settle in our relationship with God and you see so many followers of Jesus that are, they're just kind of sitting on the sidelines, not getting in the arena, not getting, you know, bruised and battered and doing that. And talk to that, like, that adventure, like you said, it's not easy. It's messy. It's hard. But once you've tasted it and gone there, you can't look back. Yeah, right? I, I often think part of my role in the kingdom, and we all have different roles in the kingdom, part of my role has been to challenge, to call out, to come join me. Mm-hmm. Um, I think of one instance in which I was asked to speak at World Vision to a group of college interns and and I was just finding out, you can tell what maybe year this was, I was just finding out the impact of the HIV contagion virus across Africa. At that time, there were, you know, multiple 747s worth of people dying uh, with relation to this virus. And I was aware of the virus. I, I grew up around its epicenter, uh, San Francisco. I, I, I remember when Siever Coop said that there's a thing called GRID. That's what they called it originally, gay-related immunodeficiency, and how that kind of ostracized a certain community of people in San Francisco. There was a lot of anger. There was a lot of frustration within the church community. And as far as I was concerned, I didn't want any part of it. When I joined World Vision, I saw how that stigma had begun to affect another nation, the nation of Africa. And how 70, over 70% of the people were infected with HIV, who were infected with HIV, were located on that one continent. I wanted to do something. And now I'm speaking in front of a group of college interns. And so I asked the question, so what are you doing about it? I was hyped up. I was ready to go. I was ready to tear the door, tear the place apart. And I'm asking now these college students, what are you going to do about it? And there was these half-hearted answers because they felt underpowered. They felt no permission, and they gave me that answer. And for some reason, I went off. Um, it doesn't happen often, but I really felt like I was tearing into them to such an extent that even the intern director, she already had white hair, gray hair. It <laughs> was turning whiter, um, and I could see it. I could just realize, okay. You're way over the top. So you had a little passion in your voice. Is that what you're saying? Way over-caffeinated. Way (laughs) over-caffeinated. Need to step back. And finally, I got a God prompt, literally, inside my head that said, that's enough. Sit down. Mm. So I did. Mid-sentence, stopped. I said, I think I've been a little overly passionate. I'm not going to apologize. Because I think I just said what I was supposed to say. And I think it's time for me to go. Now, I'm an executive at World Vision speaking to summer interns, but I got up and I left. Two weeks later, 
one of the students in that room, the one who had answered the question, he happened to be the vice president at Seattle Pacific University. He shows up in my office unannounced with another student and says, I want to give you this. And he hands me a notebook. I'm embarrassed. Like what? I I, kind of remember what I said was somewhat scandalous. It was in your face. He's handing me a notebook. I can only imagine as I turn the pages what it's about to say. It is a plan for how he's going to impact Seattle Pacific University on the issue of HIV. Long story short, that becomes acting on AIDS. It goes to over 300 college campuses across the country. InterVarsity, this great campus ministry, adopts it as their social action arm. It later becomes ACTS. It goes to more universities on secular campuses. And I had the privilege about five years later of actually doing some of their social engagements at the University of Washington on Spro Plaza with 2,500 university, secular university students. You know, that stuff, you can't make that stuff up. No. That's God saying, I'm going to operate if you would just open up and invite. That's what I was supposed to do. But they were supposed to then listen to the prompt, take it, and move. And that's how change happens. That's how change happens. That is beautiful on so many levels. I love that you listen to God in that moment. Your your passion is, you know, at the at the peak. You're just you can't sit down. You can't be silent. You don't know what's happening. And then God's tapping and prompting some young man in the audience that you have no clue to. No clue. And and he gives him a vision and he acts on it. And I, you know, so many times I think it's easy for us. We, we hear of something like, like you said, the pen, you know, they, the, the, the AIDS crisis and you're like, somebody should. And I know it's not me. And I, I, you know, I'll pray for them. Right. Instead of those few that go, I, I'm not okay with this. I got to do something. And you, you tapped on something because you said we feel powerless. So many times we feel powerless. Like I, there's nothing I can really do. And yet, we're never powerless because we have the Holy Spirit in us. We have all the power. Just what are we going to do with that? Are we going to surrender it to God? And then, like you said, a whole movement starts. And, and I think that takes practice. I think this takes practice. I don't yes. think this is a just add water, show up one oh. time, it'll happen. I think for me, this has been a road of mistakes, a road of reaching out, a road of trying new things. But again, it's trying to get my ear attuned to that prompt so that when the prompt says, go, move, do something, say something, even if in, if somewhat inappropriate, even if it comes off wrong and I have to apologize for it mm-hmm. later because it was a little bit immature, elemental. I didn't grow up enough um, to actually voice it the way it could have been placed even better that all of those are that adventure, that living out loud where I follow the prompt, and then I begin to get schooled on the result. Is Mm -hmm. this what God called me to do? Did I learn from that? Am I growing? Am I a disciple? I think this is what it means to be a disciple. But don't you think that's a mindset? It's a mindset shifting too to go, okay, but I can do something, and I might not get it perfect. I might not say it right. And a lot of us stop right there, and we go, oh, because I can't. I don't have it totally figured out in my mind. I don't know what I'm going to say. I don't know what it looks like on the other side of saying yes. We retreat back and do nothing. 
And so I think it is a mindset to go, no, I have, I have God, I have the power. I'm, I'm feeling led. I'm feeling prompted. I can do some, I can talk to somebody. I can pray differently. There's a lot of things we can do instead of doing nothing. And so I love what you're, what you're saying, because you almost have to shift your mind to go, no, there is something I can do. And a lot of it is just even asking questions. I mean, uh, yes. good marital counseling, of which I have seen a, some good marital counselors. I've needed all the help I can get, um, you know, or my wife to live with me uh, has been, are you asking enough questions? Yes. Whoa. Yes. I thought I had the answer. Well, maybe you don't. And so are you asking enough questions? And so in getting a God prompt, move making sure that I'm asking the right questions. Um, how? Um, what do you want me to do? Um, instead of no table, move away. Um, this is bad. This is really my time and it's not a good time. A lot of sometimes asking the right questions gets us back into the framework of following the prompt and discovering what it is that God wants. Oh my gosh. That is, that is so true. Right. And, um, and just even keeping moving forward, right? And asking, living with curiosity and leaning in with curiosity is so key and pivotal. And it's almost like as you ask a question, don't settle for that one answer. Just keep asking another question. Like It's like peeling the onion. Keep asking and keep asking. And then it just leads to another. And it leads to a journey, to an adventure. A question, a good question leads to an incredible journey of discovery. And that's what I've seen you do in your life. That's how you have lived your life because you don't know where it's going to leave. And you've gone to amazing, like leaving this, you know, what you, with the AIDS thing, I know that you have started and been very instrumental. And at the beginning of a lot of creating movements, people have no ideas because you say yes, and you don't always have the answer. And I think that's a key thing. We want the answer before we even begin it all stacked up. I will tell you that in the AIDS adventure, you know, it was easy for me to have made that and say, that's my deal. I'm supposed to awaken these college students. But, you know, it, it these things have a way of revisiting themselves back toward you. And it led to over 30 campuses in a year of going and speaking on these campuses. One of the greatest delights of my life. I didn't realize I was going to get the gift of engaging with a new generation. In my mind, I had kids these age. And I, I had to say, I'm looking at this this age group and I'm kind of curious whether they're going to show up. That was my challenge to them. And then God answered it with not only are they going to show up, but I'm going to teach you by listening to them. And so then all these campuses I had a chance to travel to it was a little hectic, obviously, for a couple, three years of traveling in this way to, you know, a variety of Christian expressions around the country. But listening to students, listening to faculty, recognizing that there's tremendous hope in the next generation was one of the greatest gifts I've ever been given. And I think that could only happen if, in fact, we follow or get practice in following those prompts. Mm, so good. And that's a question I just I want us to ask our listeners, like as you're listening to this, listening to your stories, listening to how God has prompted you and prompted others and what has resulted that I just want to challenge our listeners. Are where is God maybe trying to get your attention and where is God maybe prompting you to say, I have gifted you in a certain way. I have put something inside of you, a passion. I'm really asking you to take it the first step 
and to, to move, to, you know, to listen to my prompting. I think for all of us to like, where is God prompting us right now that we have been close to, or we haven't been listening, we haven't been attentive to that prompting and really take the first step. I know a lot of times in that journey of the adventure, there's fear. There's always fear. There's always doubt. There's always maybe confusion, but take that first step. Okay, Steve, I've loved this conversation. I could talk to you all day. We only have a couple of minutes. I want to ask you a question that I love to ask people because there's always different answers to that. But um, finish this sentence. A peacemaker is. Peacemaker is a follower in the way of Jesus. For me, that's been true. Um, and I think I would I would qualify that by saying it's an inward journey first before it's an outward expression. Um, I, I think of some great some great verses. Don't be anxious about anything, but, you know, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, make your request known to God and the peace of God. You will get this peace if you do these things. Boom, boom, boom. If you do these, if you're kind of religious about these things, not church attendance, not going to Bible studies, not Bible memorization. But if 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 you're going to kind of get humble, stop being anxious about anything because you're entrusting all this stuff to him, then this peace enters in. If that happens, I think the one of the automatic things that begins to happen, you become you start becoming. It's a it's a journey. You start becoming a peacemaker externally. And mm-hmm. I don't think this is just for Christians. I, it's easy for us to say, we got to lock on peace, baby. Uh, everybody else has got to fight it out. No, we got to lock on peace. Only the peacemakers are Christians. I don't think that's true because I've met some great peacemakers that weren't followers of Jesus, but they are following in the way of Jesus. In other words, some of the principles and the practices that Jesus clearly lays out, they've got down cold. Mm-hmm. And so as they live that out in humility, I admit I don't understand everything. I'm willing to ask questions and learn. Then I open up an opportunity. Beautiful. I want to thank you so much for being a part of our show and speaking truth and wisdom. And I want to thank our listeners for being a part of our Amplify Peace community. You can learn more about us at AmplifyPeace.com and follow us on social media. Shalom. This program was sponsored by Amplified Peace. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.